4: I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Friday. Steelers lose Minnesota with the win and cover. It did get mighty close at the end, though. Dalvin Cook with over 200 yards. 200 yards. Minnesota covers. Alvin Kamara is a full go, a full go for New Orleans. How does that affect the line? Upgrade, obviously, for the Saints. And we've seen that line against the Jets drop below six. And in Houston, Davis Mills announced to be the starter for the rest. The season. What does Vegas think? A one-point downgrade. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. This is straight out of Vegas with
0: the voice of Vegas. Your host, RJ Bell. The, the pregame show America has always wanted. I
5: the future. I the future.
0: From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell.
4: You heard it, I'm R.J. live in Las Vegas, live on a big Big, big Friday. Palooza, you might say. It's fair to say. A lot of picks, a lot of best bets, and our favorite segment of the week, which is, well, it's many use yins, as I used to say growing up, favorite of the week. We go down every NFL game and give you a Vegas tidbit that is important to know. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. He's the fan who beats a man, AJ Hoffman.
5: Thank you, RJ. On a day where we nearly saw one of the most incredible comebacks or the incredible meltdowns, depending on your perspective, I suppose, in Thursday night football history, you said Alvin Kamara full go for the Saints and Steph Curry closing in on history this weekend. What is the Vegas lead?
4: Hmm. You think? What's the odds of NBA talk leading the way? You think?
5: I figured not, but I, you know, you know, it's it is
4: history. I think on I think we on Fridays we look at the Thursday game, and we move on. So, let's see what we've happened before we can predict what's going to happen next.
5: Unbelievable game. The Minnesota Vikings hold on to win 36-28, covering all numbers, uh, but it was not as easy as it sounds. They got up 29-0, and the Steelers fought and clawed their way back into this one, RJ.
4: Minnesota Football Outsiders has numbers on how good is a team when they're trailing, how good is a team when they're leading, and Minnesota is one of the Worst teams leading and one of the best teams trailing. And that's one of the reasons, if not the main reasons, they seemingly every game, they had one game this year outside of the 8.1 score range. So every game but one, and every game but one, they've been up by at least a touchdown in every game. So this Minnesota team, though their record is below 500, is Certainly an above average team Zimmer caught a ton of heat obviously from you know the defense that last play against Detroit now imagine if they would have done that again <laughs> right but I do find it is close yeah let me ask you well I mean I guess that play would have been a very you know a little curl pattern would have been great right for the Steelers? yeah at that point when it was the last play of the game, And they were down eight. What would you say, just off the top of your head, the odds of Pittsburgh winning the game was? Just the instant, like... Forty percent. Okay. Well, what do you think that play was? Like, just to get that one play for a touchdown had to be less than forty, right? Yeah, you're right. It probably probably more like twenty five percent. All right. So think about this. The estimate, and this is from PFF. Uh, Cole was his last name. He does uh, an interesting podcast. He said their numbers had it at seven. Now, follow me here. Seventeen percent to get the fourth or to get the one play for the touchdown. Ooh, that seems low. Well, I mean, when you're like what a the 11 or 12, was it? And it's just one play into the end zone, you know, but let's call it 20%. And then it's like, OK, well, what's the odds of a two-point conversion after that, which was necessary? And then it was like, OK, that's 50-50, let's call it. And so now 20% becomes 10%, because you have to score and now get the two. And then a win in overtime, let's call it 50-50, even though Pittsburgh was an underdog in the game. So you could say a little bit uh, less than that, but let's call it 50-50. So that comes out, back a napkin, only a 5% chance. For Pittsburgh to win that game from that position. Very interesting because you would have thought much higher. And then when Pittsburgh was down 29, nothing, right? 29 nothing. When they were down, the projections said about a 1.5% chance to come back. So they had a 5% on the last play and a 1.5% chance when they were down 29 nothing. So that was a lot of. Palpitations of the heart to go up from three and a half percentage points to that last play didn't seem like that though, did it? Did not. It felt
5: like. I mean, it was interesting. To, and maybe because they were down so far, it made the end game even more interesting than maybe it would have been. Right. It was historic.
4: You mean yeah. potentially? So we're straight out of Vegas. I'm RJ Bell. Uh, let's look at some chances to make the playoffs. So Pittsburgh right now, odds are. Pretty good. That Pittsburgh has to um, win at least three out of four to make the playoffs from here, and they've got a tough, tough schedule. So in general, this was all a borderline must-win game for the Steelers. Now they have about you know by average of the projections about a ten percent chance Pittsburgh steal. They only have to win three of the four. But man, it's tough. So about 10% is a projection. Yeah,
5: Fez said yesterday the Steelers will not be favored in any games
4: going forward this season. Wow. Now, hmm, that's interesting. They play the Browns in Pittsburgh, huh? Hmm, I'm curious on that one. I'm, <laughs> I'm putting Pittsburgh as the favorite in that one for sure, actually. Um, I don't know, though. It's kind of interesting. If you think about it, the Ravens were favored by, what was it, four, four and a half in Pittsburgh. And Cleveland and the Ravens are now considered about even teams yeah that's interesting. It Did, doesn't seem right. It, does it
5: strike you that that 9% or whatever number it was on on the Steelers to make the playoffs feels a little bit low given that they already have a head-to-head win against the Ravens who lead that division? Yeah, I mean, and they've got one left to play against them and they're only I mean they're 6-6 I mean, and
4: 1. Here's the thing is if they if they go 8-8 eight, eight and 1, they're not going to make it, right? So they got to win 3 of the 4. And so, let's go down that schedule. Let's just do some math here. Baltimore was a four-point or so favorite in Pittsburgh. So let's just say we flip it just three points, one and a half points for home field. That's a touchdown, right? Four gets to seven. So a touchdown underdog. I mean, they can win, but not not you know not a great chance. They're home against the Titans next week. Okay, and even without Henry, I mean, I'm just going by a guess here, but the game's probably about them, I'm guessing Uh,
5: at the Chiefs. Obviously, they'll be dogs.
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, over. uh, You know, probably let's see the Raiders, Pittsburgh. Right, right where the Raiders are, so probably nine and a half or ten in that game. And then home Browns. Yeah, and again, I I think it should be less than what the Ravens. What the Browns are six and six. Yeah, but well, but obviously it's not just about the record. Um, is that how you do your no? I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking about the playoff
5: odds. It just doesn't make it doesn't make much sense to me. Given three
4: out of four, and right now five thirty eight has a nine percent chance for the Steelers. Other places I've seen ten, so it's right in that range to make the playoffs. Minnesota, thirty-five percent chance. Thirty-five percent chance. Did Big Ben impress you in the game? Uh, late in the game, he did certainly. He's pretty good late in the game. I think, w- think about that for a second. Uh, against the Browns last year in the playoffs, threw for like five hundred yards, yeah. right? And then you have um, uh, against the Chargers. He had a massive comeback, and in this game, he might be one of the top five quarterbacks. If you're down (laughs) (laughs) thirty, I think
5: Matt Stafford's in that group. Yeah, I think that's the uh, he's on the Mount Rushmore of it for sure. I was curious as a Steelers fan if, and I know most Steelers fans are working class type, you know, gritty folk. The Chase Claypool celebrating the first down with no timeouts. You're running the hurry-up offense. They convert that fourth and one. And he does the first down. And the guy knocks the ball out of his hand. And, I mean, it took probably seven, eight seconds off the clock. Is that frustrating as a steal? Shouldn't
4: that have been a penalty? No, because
5: it just looked like... He bumped into
4: him and the ball went flying. Ah, so the so the the other team was deceptive in their sure, in the you, trickery.
5: Everybody knows that when you're in the hurry up, they're gonna to try to hold you down longer or whatever. But when you're sticking the ball out doing the first down thing, yeah, it's I, more likely that ball's gonna get knocked away.
4: I think the and I think a lot of the I think one of the most interesting questions about sports in the next 10 20 years is as the connection between the fans and the players. I cuz remember it wasn't all that long ago. I guess it's been a while. I wasn't, you know, I was guess I was a kid, you know, you hear about oh these guys had to use, you know, selling used cars in the off season, right? So at that point it wouldn't be hard to connect with the players. Um, now as you make millions and millions even if you're the you know the thirtieth guy on a team or or let's say a, a, a low level starter, you're making good money typically, you know, seven figures. Now, what's the relation there? And it's like, well, less for sure. But I think that Pittsburgh and tip in general, and I, Ryan Clark was on, uh oh, he's on Get Up a good bit on ESPN, and after before the ravens game he went on a rant about you guys are living off the past you know the steelers defense you're not tough anymore i do think there when you say steelers football it does mean something. Uh, how many, if we say Ravens football, okay, I'll accept it. Patriots football, okay, the Patriot way. But how many other teams can you say that they have a brand of football? Less than seven or eight, wouldn't you say? Sure. So, yeah, I do think the, especially when you're losing, right? If you're winning, I think Pittsburgh people don't mind it. But I do think there's a a general kind of separation between fans and players in general. And I think Pittsburgh maybe even... But they do tend to... Look, Big Ben was... A Steelers type quarterback, right? And Harris, a Steelers type running back. And, you know, people could say, oh, maybe there's a racial element to it. Listen, the Steelers, a lot of, you know, all the way back to Franco Harris, you know, a lot of African Americans have been beloved by the city. Now, Is there actions that I think it's a lot about youth? You know, it's about the twenty-four year olds today. uh, The distance between them and the fifty-year-olds maybe is more than it's ever been. So, yeah, I hear you, and I think it's a good question. If they win, it's probably all fine. (laughs) If they lose, maybe not. Yeah, that's where it
5: comes into play. They they would have had one more shot at the end zone if, if that if that ball doesn't get knocked away.
4: Okay, this is interesting. So this was on from Ryan Clark today. He says Claypool is as mentally and emotionally underdeveloped as he is physically overdeveloped. This is again Ryan Clark. He only cares about himself, and that self-centeredness is part of what's bringing the Steelers team and organization down. Strong words. Wow, no, I didn't hear that one.
5: But and this is the same guy who was, you know, complaining that there wasn't music at practice and things like that. And Mike Tomlin was like, L- "I'll, I'll make the decisions on what goes on at practice. I got this." Play pool. Yeah,
4: yeah. And and again, to some degree, if you're going to be of organization that's going to be strict about what they want, then maybe that's part of the drafting process. But is it? You would think it. it, I would have assumed it's always been. I don't know. I mean, I think toughness is, but 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 like uh, how outspoken. I mean, usually the tougher you are, the more outspoken you are. So in a weird way, you know, I think Tomlin. Remember, in hindsight, Tomlin's had a reevaluation as a coach. One, the year Big Ben went down, you know, not having a losing season impressed everyone, right? And I think rightfully so. But then as A.B. started to go around, as Antonio Brown started going around the league and you saw what he did with the Raiders, there was a lot of, man, Tomlin should retroactively get coach of the year because <laughs> he was able to you know, at least keep that bottled up, whatever was going on. I think in general Pittsburgh's willing, and Tomlin's the great coach for that. Get the tough guys that are maybe outspoken, and he gets them believing in the team overall. As long as they do that, I'm fine with it as a fan. But I, I do agree it doesn't fit with the you know the Midwest. I mean Pittsburgh's a Midwestern town. So It feels a little bit like Pennsylvania. It's a Midwestern town, no doubt. It's it's probably the most eastern East Coast Midwestern town, and I grew up in from Pittsburgh but it is certainly still you know it's still got the manufacturing the rust belt just a little bit more cosmopolitan than let's say Columbus
5: now i know the steelers are notoriously patient with their their coaches this Jeez, you're thinking, no, no, coach um, of Tomlin? That's not what I'm trying okay, to get to. Ahead. What I'm saying is, this is going to probably it could be the first year that Tomlin has a losing record. Well, do unlikely. you think the fans will start griping
4: if that were to happen? No. Now, I mean, the uh, here's the thing: the only real gripe you could have this year is broadly. I mean, you could say they should have won the Lions game or whatever, but but you know, last word on this is broadly. You could say. Um, Maybe Big Ben shouldn't have been brought back. Like, what are we doing? And don't forget, one of the things that I found to be amazing, amazing is when Big Ben went down, the Steelers, for the first time in memory, in, in decades and decades and decades, traded their first round pick. Now, think about that. For the first time in like almost 20 years, you don't have an elite quarterback. Uh, I think they started out 0-2. The Patriots were the first game that year, and Seattle was when he got hurt. So, they were 0-2 at that point. They literally traded away their pick that week. Now you're thinking, wait, Big Ben's like 37 at the time. He just went down. Hey, let's play our best. But you know what? We could end up being the fourth pick in the draft or some variation of it. The guts it took for them to actually trade that pick. Now listen, Mika Fitzpatrick is who they got, who has been a really successful player for the Steelers. One of the keys on the defense. And they got him after his first year, so he they had uh, four years of cost control. Which now the fifth year option's coming up. Uh, if let me think about that, it's either third or fourth. No, it's the third year, I guess, right? I mean, yeah. So no, this is it's fourth, fourth year. yeah. Yeah. So but it, so next year it's going to be you know uh, the fifth year option. Then they got to pay him, but they got some good years out of him. But in hindsight, should they maybe have? You know, not traded that pick. Now they ended up going like eight and eight or whatever. It well, was. they've
5: gone eight and eight if they didn't have Minka
4: Fitzpatrick. Yeah, and but, but they got listen, they got lucky. They, there was three or four games that were coin flips. They won. So if they ended up going four and twelve and had a high draft choice, would we be in a better spot? If Justin Herbert was
5: in Pittsburgh, would you would you be in a better spot?
4: Well, no, I mean, but again, who knows if they took Tua? That's right? true. Or who knows? You know, the point being that's the only. Complaint to me, I love the Belichickian way of saying, generally, hey, you're old, you had your fun, bye bye. But and they come to the, you know, come to the dinner we're gonna have every spring. But Big Ben is the greatest Steelers quarterback of all time. He's better than Terry Bradshaw, and I grew up with a Terry Bradshaw jersey. And he is the toughest quarterback I've ever seen. Not even he—he winds a little bit, and it kind of obscures how tough that dude is. He is tough. Aaron Rodgers played with COVID too. No, 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 no. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers—he, I'm not saying Aaron rodgers he's, he is what he is. He's not as tough as Big Ben. And to me, to give him a final year, I'm fine with it you know but the question is why isn't there why is Rudolph and Haskins the only two guys behind that's a good them? question that is the question which we'll get to in the offseason. when we come back it is the most popular segment of the week every NFL game one or more Vegas tidbits you need to know to be fully informed
5: all that and more coming up next he's RJ Bell I'm AJ Hoffman this is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports radio.
2: Nutrifol.com spelled n-u-t-r-a-f O L dot com promo code C-R-Show. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code CR show.
4: I disagree with intervention. I disagree with protocol. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas.
5: And I'm A.J. Alvin. just a minute, we're gonna get into a nugget in every
4: NFL game this weekend. Every one. I might skip one just to, to throw me, make me wrong. Just make you wrong. But you know what? <laughs> I love the audience more than I'm competitive with you. And that's why, perhaps, we're the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. That is because of you. We appreciate it and we work extra hard to reciprocate the fondness. <laughs> the weekends are a great time to listen on podcasts. Just search for Straight Out of Vegas on your favorite pod player. Catch up. Right here in Vegas on the strip. Fifty four degrees. The neon is pumping. All
5: right, RJ, let's dig into these NFL games. Okay,
4: first game, Kansas City, you've got and the Raiders, you've got a best bet on that here about six forty five Eastern.
5: New Orleans Saints minus five and a half at the Jets.
4: Okay, so Taysom Hill has mallet finger. <laughs> now, it's not as bad as Russell Wilson, so, but let's assume that it's right about as bad as it was for Russell Wilson once he came back. So, remember, he had three weeks off, and then he came back. How'd he look? Bad. Very bad. Now, we don't know exactly how bad it is for Taysom Hill, but just close your eyes unless you're driving close your eyes and think, "Okay, right, how does he pass when he's healthy?" <laughs> and then think, take anything off of that. 5%, 10%. Do you yes. want to be laying the lumber on the road? This line has gone down, you know, and at 6 especially, I like the Jets. Now the Jets get some injuries. They get some injuries. I kind of like the under in this game too, and the rationale is I think right now the Jets have one big goal, protect Wilson from a lot of off-season scrutiny. So, what are they going to do? If they fall behind by 14, I'm not sure it would be smart for them to have him just chucking the ball around. You talked about Trevor Lawrence and the Jags. They were down significantly last week to the Rams, and they weren't throwing nearly as much as you would expect. You were saying, have they given up? I said, no. I think they're protecting... Trevor Lawrence's stats and the narrative, I think the Jets are going to protect the narrative. So, if you're in-game betting, so what does that mean if you're in-game betting and the Jets fall behind 14 or so? I'm not sure you should expect them to come back the way you typically would, because with that, those comebacks comes risk of interceptions, and they don't want those stats to be talked about all offseason. The
5: Saints' top three defensive ends out for this game, though. So, if there is a chance for, for him to have some kind of positivity, this may be the game.
4: And I agree. So, I think they're going to be focused. But if somehow they fall behind, I don't think they're going to want to keep throwing the dice, as they say. Cousin Kyle, minus two at Cincinnati. All right, so, this line moved significantly significantly an esteemed kind of informational move away from Cincinnati due to the pinky situation. Not a mallet pinky, by the no, way. Uh,
5: is that right? <laughs> Just a regular pinky situation.
4: I don't think pinkies are big enough to be mallets. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. It, uh, it confuses me. I've never heard of a mallet f- finger before, and and now all of a sudden there's multiple people with them. It's kind of like the Colts with that injury where they had to remove a bone from the foot or whatever, and two people had it at once, which was, you know, never heard of it before. Haven't heard of it since. I don't know if I believe these injury reports. <laughs> but I, what I will say is, I think it's hard... To bet Cincinnati when you don't know. We think about injuries as binary, zero-one. They either play or they don't play. But Joe Burrow could be 85%. How much, how many points is that worth? If it's just one throw on a third and 12 that sails a little wide and gets picked off, that's worth what? Four points? And we know we don't know for sure that's gonna happen. But this line does not, if if Joe Burrow is healthy, a hundred percent. This line makes no sense. Generally, the market is pretty smart. San Francisco being favored here doesn't make any sense unless Burrow's banged up in a way that's going to affect them, and I think we should assume it will affect them. Tennessee minus nine hosting the Jags. Now I don't like to lay the lumber very much. Now AJ. He's a, he, has a, he actually wears a lumberjack sh- jacket sometimes, just because you he, he lay the lumber. I live the life. Yeah, the, the life of a, <laughs> lumber Love a lumberjack, lighter. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> kind of like um, Dexter at the end of yeah. the show. But, <laughs> but Fezzik, who did a good job here yesterday filling in he, with AJ, he, on our podcast, was talking about how he likes Tennessee here. And another fellow I trust a lot, doesn't lay the lumber much, likes Tennessee. This Jacksonville team is horrible. And if you look at it, it's actually all about the offense. The defense isn't so bad. If you actually look at the season projections on every game, how many points did Vegas think Jacksonville was going to give up? They've been almost exactly on that across the season. Not every game, but over the course of the season. Every negative point that they've had this year against the spread, so the ATS margin in the negative, has come from the offense underperforming. Now that you've got a situation where you've got a rookie quarterback talking about who should be on the field, and then this running back should be on the field, then you have Urban Meyer saying, Huh, I didn't know he wasn't now you're talking about what's his name? Robinson, Robby C. I mean it's like the, he's like he's coaching another team or something. It, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. You got to wonder how does this affect the offense? And as you said AJ, this Jacksonville team was not throwing when they should have been throwing. So if they get down 17 against Tennessee, do they just kind of run the ball a bunch? If so, you've got to like Tennessee. Tennessee would be one of my three or four picks if I had to make that many.
5: Cleveland minus three hosting
4: the Ravens. This might be the best spot of the year, or flip it, the worst spot of the year. Worst for Baltimore, best for Cleveland. Now think about this. If you're the NFL, and you had an agenda to try to get the Browns a win in this game when the seasons, you know, when they did the schedule. What would you say? Okay, let's have them play. All right, now then, what they do is Cleveland gets a bye, so they get the rest for about fourteen, you know, fourteen days off or in between, and let's have the Ravens play on the road against their toughest opponent, the Steelers. And then have them go on the road again for the Browns. That sounds pretty bad, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, doesn't sound good. And especially, let's have
5: their number one corner get hurt, be done for the season. I don't think the NFL had it. Oh, that was
4: season. <laughs> no, no. You just announced the game. Gotcha. Relax for a little bit. <laughs> now, except you, I think you got something on this next game. So prepare that. All right. You got it written now? I've got it ready. You Do you have it written? I've got it typed. All right. All right. Is it what font size is it? <laughs> 14?
5: Not, not 12. I know you right, I don't 12. want you
4: squinting and misreading stuff. All right, 14's good. Okay. Um but AJ's not right, but AJ brings up an interesting point which is in the game last week, they did lose their last key last good starting corner, at least starting as the season started. And a lot of people said would a quarter cornerback be enough for Harbaugh to go for 2 because it was like a lot of people wondered about that going for 2 here's the point that i made about it and others have made it wasn't just the absence of this cornerback it's a, he is the he was the queen of the chessboard where he could play inside outside a lot of very flexible and the game plan without him, and it's Humphrey. Marlon Humphrey. Humphrey. The game plan without Humphrey is an entirely different one. And... They couldn't do that on the fly. So think about that. Now, it will benefit them to have this week between, or, you know, between the time between games to figure out how to play without Humphrey at cornerback, the Ravens. But man, oh man, this is a big loss, a loss bigger than you might think just from a, hey, a cornerback got hurt. Panthers minus two and a half hosting the Falcons. And AJ, you, I've got, I made this an early pick. I'm actually having second thoughts on that. First, so let's get your thoughts on this one. I, I
5: I just feel like Cam, who was already bad, and apparently there's some people who think he's part of the reason why Joe Brady's gone, but now Cam's got to learn yet another offense, his third in 12 months. Just well, I doesn't. Don't
4: think he, I don't think he learned the Brady offense. <laughs> it's pretty clear
5: he didn't. <laughs> but now he's got to also do all of that without Christian McCaffrey, who's now out for the season, yeah. and that was a guy that he he's had leaned like on. Half, he's played like
4: half the game. That's how many
5: games Cam years. has played. That's who he was there with. That's the guy that he was leaning on.
4: The one game? Yeah. Okay, but that's how many games has Cam played? He he had the he had the uh, package right, mm-hmm. and and it, like the six He's plays played, or whatever. And then played two games since. Okay, yeah. One of them where he completed
5: five passes. So it's,
4: no, I, I, listen. I, let's say this: the Joe Brady situation was instrumental in my best bet earlier this week, and that best bet was on Atlanta. If you haven't played it yet. I'm having second thoughts, and I'm going to explain. First, though...
0: Be sure to catch live editions
5: of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Fox Sports Radio, I'm A.J. Hoffman. He's the voice of Vegas, R.J. Bill.
4: So, when I gave the early best bet on Carolina, or check that, on Atlanta against Carolina, my thinking was, hey, there is uh, this disruption, the disruption... Turmoil in the front office in amongst the coaches. So, what was the reason for it? Well, as information has come out, what we're going to find out is how many, how much Carolina was running the ball. Now, we're going to look back at the Atlanta Carolina game in a second here and talk about how much Carolina ran the ball in that game, and that's very telling. Now. In that game, Carolina actually ran it 47 times, and they passed 25. Now, in the NFL, it's usually more sure. passes than runs. 25 passes, 47 runs. Why? Because Atlanta's rush defense is particularly bad. The more I hear about this Joe Brady situation, the more that this was a combination of of a power play. This was the one voice in amongst the coaches that wasn't Matt Rule's guy, right? He was an outsider and he was handpicked by the GM, Joe Brady. And they had a dispute about how much to run the ball. And now, isn't it interesting that you know, during the bye week, before playing Atlanta, a team that even with Joe Brady as the OC, they ran it 47 times against. I would expect 47 or more times. Now, remember, Carolina won that game 19 to 13, week eight. So the total in this game has plummeted. It was 44 and a half, actually 45 and a half. Now it's down to like 41. If you can get the props, and again, the pros are on this already, but if you can get the props, I think the under looks good. I think the under in the first half looks good. I think that this uh, under and passing yards for CAM, just make sure the numbers haven't been moved too much. If you're not a, a you know experienced prop better, I'd be careful. Listen, when I make a best bet, it's in. I wouldn't buy it back now. I'm not like gonna buy it back. Cause you could just say, hey, would I say if you bet 110 to win 100, you can say, let me bet 110 the other way. Now I lose the VIG. And I, no, I don't think, I don't feel that badly about it. But for those who haven't played it, I thought there was more disruption here. And it feels like that if there's any game this might benefit Carolina, it'd be this game where they might run the ball like Belichick. Any thoughts on this one?
5: Uh, That sounds really smart. I mean, it sounds like you're on to something or whoever whoever said it. I mean, it's an interesting point for sure.
4: Yeah, so let's do this. Let's take our last break. When we come back, we'll finish up the games that we've got. And a best bet for me. And a best bet from AJ.
5: He's R.J. Bell. I'm A.J. Huffman. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio.
0: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
4: I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas,
5: and I'm AJ Hoffman. Let's get right back into these NFL rundown. And we got best bets coming. Best up. Best bets coming up. Uh, let's start with Seattle minus eight and a half at the Texans.
4: Okay, you spent over a decade in Houston radio. One of the drive time ratings leaders is what you had tattooed somewhere. Still on your have arm. tattooed it is. You got some insight to a little, um, let's say, disgruntledness amongst the team.
5: Yeah, Zach Cunningham was released this week. He's been a top three defender per PFF the last four years for the Texans, one of their top best players. Top three on the team. Yeah. Coming into the season, he was one of the leaders of that team. He got released, immediately picked up by the Titans. The veterans don't want anything to do with this team. Laramie Tunsil talked about returning a month ago. He's still out with a hurt finger. So I, I don't think that anybody who's worth a, a darn wants Is it to be. it mallet? It's not a mallet it's just a regular finger injury. And Nick Casario saying he was unwilling to comment on David Cully's status going forward. The Texans are a bet against for me for the rest of the year. And this is about the shortest well, dog you're going to be able to get him.
4: blind. It's either fade the Texans or pass, right? Correct. And are you going to look to – you like him to fade him here?
5: I like to fade him here.
4: Only thing I the qu- I question is, Seattle feels kind of out of it for the playoffs. Now, you can say they have a chance. But maybe it was, hey, they get that loss against Washington. They get up for For a division game against the 49ers and maybe now this out-of-conference game in which you're over a touchdown favorite, they might be flat. Denver, minus 10, hosting the Lions. Talk about flat. This one's simple. When the Lions played against uh, the Rams, and it was called their Super Bowl, right? You've heard that. And the Rams, you know, it was a competitive game at halftime, but next week the Lions got mauled by the Eagles. I think we're seeing a similar, though they didn't win that game. Here they won, Lions last week, I think a flat spot. They were celebrating. They have theme songs, talking about going all the way. I think all the way like through the night partying. I'd be very careful. And this line shows there's real doubts about the Lions' focus. Chargers minus 10, hosting the Giants. OK, now this is very curious. As Mr. Dan Byer said, good news, Mike Glennon is going to (laughs) start. Now, you know how bad a team spot is if you hear those words. But the betting market didn't move. It really befuddles me. The line was Chargers 10, Glennon's going to play, and it's still 10. I mean, this guy is making. You know, Glennon is a. You know, he's only making 1.4 million this year, but it's more than like Colt McCoy, 1.2. So in general, this is a professional backup versus Fromm, who we thought was going to start. That has what zero real NFL experience. None. So I find it very curious this line didn't move, and that befuddles me. So I'm going to stay away. Tampa Bay minus three and a half hosting Buffalo. All right, the weather transition. All right. So it was cold, rainy, a brutal game against the Patriots. Now, obviously, they got to go on the road and all that, but now they're going to humidity, even in December, and heat in Florida. Might seem goofy, but it, I think in the second half, especially, fatigue issues perhaps for the Bills. Green Bay minus 12 and a half hosting Chicago. Here's the question. Chicago is supposedly going to be motivated because of the old I own, we, I own him or still own them, but doesn't that motivate Aaron Rodgers? Because maybe this is a game, 12 and a half point favorite, he might be flat, but you think he's really going to want to be flat against his team that's gunning for him? Mm-hmm. All right, AJ, your best bet is on the Kansas City Raiders game. The Kansas City Chiefs,
5: minus 10, Darren Waller, out. Hurts against the Chiefs, who are already bottom five in the league against opposing tight ends, and the the Raiders defensively do not have the personnel to run the two-high safety. Gus Bradley is a cover three guy; that's all he does. And he
4: was resistant to the idea of going to the two-high safety to the point of being defiant about it.
5: Because one of the Raiders' best defenders, Abram, is a, is not a cover safety; he can't be back there. So they just don't have the personnel to do it. This is the type of defense that you'll look you'll see vintage Mahomes against. I think the Chiefs minus ten. My best bet.
4: Wow, laying the lumber, this guy. I mean, he, he's not afraid. To, it's almost like someone should be carrying around a boombox. It'd be funny if you had like a, a shorter fellow with a boombox just following you around. Like
5: John Cusack holding it up every time I give a pick.
4: No, no, that, that that was a love song. You know, it was romantic. <laughs> it seems like you're almost like someone that doesn't speak the language. Like you catch some of the words, but then you don't connect the other ones. Well, here comes my best bet.
0: Come on, baby, eighty thousand dollars.
4: <laughs> I don't think I've ever had a best bet on the Cowboys. I have a best bet on the Cowboys. Why? Because we've seen them not look so good. Oh, they look fine against the Saints, but hey, who? they should have done better than that, I hear everyone saying, because of how bad the Saints were in that game. And then, in what, the most watched game in regular season history on Thanksgiving? I think against the Raiders, right? That's what I heard. They ended up looking bad. They lost. And you know what? They haven't looked good for a while now. You know what? Injuries had a lot to do with it. Receivers, multiple receivers out, multiple games. Their left tackle out. And this game is the first game all season that Dallas has their three best defenders on the field for the same game. This team entering this game is better than they've been health-wise at any point of the season. Dallas in theory, should be better than any point in the season. Washington, they got unlucky early in the year, but boy oh boy, they've gotten lucky on big plays later in the year. I think Washington's a little overrated. Dallas, best bet. By the way, we're hedging a little bit on our Washington division ticket. We got a lot of people (laughs) out there, but I do like Dallas standing on its own. All right, if you missed any of today's show, including... AJ struggling with English as a second language, but you know what? We're going to stick with them.
5: Thank you. I appreciate that very (laughs) much. You can check out the podcast at foxsportsradio.com. We're going to be back on Monday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 o'clock
4: Vegas time. Recapping the big weekend of action and obviously looking at the Monday night game.
5: And we'll see if it was good news that Mike Glennon was actually back. I don't think so. He's R.J. Bell. I'm A.J. Hoffman. We are straight out of Vegas right here on Fox Sports Radio.
1: Straight out of Vegas!